who would you do? Who would you pick for uh, for Grandmammy? Uh, Meryl Streep, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what about Juicebox? This is the funny one. Your voice actor for Juicebox. I think we also Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> what about The Rock? Oh, the yeah, Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Let's just do Dwayne Johnson for everybody. Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 81 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, I'm the analytics licker. Ew, I'm Sam and I make <laughs> art. Also, I do a lot of other things. No. It's true, you do. I do. But today is January 10th, 2017. <laughs> a warning, anything can happen on this show, there's going to be profanity and we're going to talk about a bunch of nonsense so it's gonna be horrible so if you're a child go away um so we got some news this week Mm -hmm. a bunch of interesting things coming up first thing our buddies over at graphite lab which is another Another local studio another studio from here in st louis they are launching their first ever uh game project that's theirs Mm -hmm. they They normally do client work and they normally do client work and this time the tables have turned this time they're the client (laughs) or we're the client like everybody in the oh, world. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, players are your client. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're making a game called Hive Jump. It is coming out on the... Uh, 20th. 20th? No, wait, shit, we don't know, actually. 18th. Soon. It's hard to identify the date because of how... It's coming out it's early, on... So it's in early access. It's in early access. Yeah, you can go get it right now. You can actually. go get it right now, but... <laughs> but, uh, but don't, because... Yes, hit it for launch yet. day, because uh, <laughs> the way that the stores calculate all this stuff is that... Uh, your launch day sales are a big part of what continues to get you featured on launch day. So yeah. uh, wish list it. And then I think it comes out. It's it's like the 18th, maybe 18th, 20th, something like that. Um, but you pay attention to it and get it when it comes out. It's a it's sort of a co-op alien shooting backpack riding. So yeah, homage. Yeah, yeah. Their, their original kind of uh, pitch for the game was sort of that it's, you know, it's like a Starship Troopers contra bullet mm-hmm. shooty alien swarming yeah. murder fest. And it's super pretty because <laughs> that's actually thing, the title of the that's of the, the, that's the subtitle. Yeah, the subtitle. It's yeah. called Hive Jump. The Starship line. Trooper, Contra Bullet Hell, <laughs> Alien Swarming. And whatever the words fest. you said. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. And they also use, uh, so it's all pixel art, which is the pixel art is phenomenal. But then on top of that, they used uh, a thing called Sprite Lamp, which allows you to make what essentially it makes light interact with the pixel art in such a way as to render it like it's in 3D with regards to light sources. And yeah. so when you fire a bullet, then it, it you know lights up parts of your gun and stuff in really incredible ways that we, we're we not going to do. Nope. And we, no. so we're we, way too lazy to do it. If you want did. some beautiful gameplay, go, <laughs> go over there. And we would definitely recommend for all you new devs out there, also don't do that. Don't yeah. do that because it, it, well, it makes it so that you have to make every frame of every image five times. Yes. The first time is the normal one. And then the other four are different light maps. And okay. you need better artists, like really good ones. Yeah. So we're not qualified in the no. slightest. <laughs> so, but they are. They so are. they did it. Uh, it's coming out soon and, and check it out. They did win the uh, Indie Popcorn Award. So it's not just us playing favorites. Uh, they, you know, won a sort of game dev challenge out in Indianapolis. Um, so it's the same one that we didn't win two years ago. Yeah, and we got, can also say, so, so they got, they got hit uh, so a, a while back. We talked third about place. the, uh, the change in steam's rating system mm-hmm. and the way that steam makes it so that if you received a key from the developer directly, then your rating does not of the game does not count in the game's total review score. And this hits kickstarted games, particularly hard and hive jump is one of those. Mm-hmm. where uh, they have currently they have, so they've been in early access. So kind of just chugging along in the background, 
Um, and they have 80 something reviews for their game so far, but 50 of them were from Kickstarter backers. Yep. And so they're Kickstarter they backers. Don't count. Yeah. Uh, but they still have 30 something uh, remaining reviews from non Kickstarter backers. And out of those, they still have a 94% positive. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty it's good. Get, it's getting a good response. So we're excited for them. Uh, it's their first, first big game launch that, mm-hmm. that they've been doing. So, so again, it's Hive Jump, um, wishlisted on Steam or check out uh, Graphite Lab. I think just.com um, to see all the info about it. And Eric Hibbler, who's the guy who does our uh, poster work and our sort of cover art paintings and stuff. He also did the cover art for their game, which is just ridiculously cool. Yeah. yeah it's pretty usual. Yeah. They got it going on. So that's cool. That's coming up. Uh, we also have the Crashlands documentary. Mm-hmm. That's coming out next week ours. too. It's it not ours. It is about us, but it's not. We are the subjects, but not the creators. We had nothing to do with the creation except being interviewed a bunch. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's being made by Forever and Astronaut. It's being published by Devolver? Yep. Yep. Devolver, Devolver has a has a movie publishing wing, mm-hmm. which yeah. I actually didn't even know until they got that. And I think it's going to be coming out on, what? I think it's on Steam. Steam? Yep. It's on, it'll be on the yeah. one year anniversary of Crashland, so it's on the 21st is when it comes out. Yeah, which is um, next next Saturday. Yeah, it'll be on Steam and a couple other distribution platforms. So, again, with that one, you can just, I think if you go to uh, forevernastronaut.com, there's links to it there. Um, and you can wish list it on Steam, maybe, if the page oh, is yeah, up. I don't know. Can, I don't you? Know. can you wish list I don't movies? Know. I don't know. You, you don't know, know how these work. <laughs> I was I think you, recently I started to kind of open up that that thing mm-hmm. more. And, and I think we might have talked about this in a previous episode. But I believe they're also, at some point in the indeterminate future are going to be sort of separating the store a bit into like games and movies mm-hmm. and right, VR, right. but as separate stores, basically different entertainment media. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, if you have any, you know, if you want to look at what it's like behind the scenes to, um, to work on a game, you know, they were in the room with us when we were launching the game, like when you're we hitting the launch button, mm-hmm. um, when we were waiting for to see what our feature spots were, they were in the hospital with Sam when he was going through his cancer stuff. I mean, there was they, they were very involved yeah. with with our day to day. Plus, stuff. they got you know they got all of our videos of growing up as yeah. kids from yeah. our mom. Yeah, how many hours of video is that? There's there's a lot, there's dozens through? of hours of home videos, <laughs> and so they know. They know probably they more know about things. us than we know about us at this <laughs> yeah. point. Um, I haven't watched those videos in a long, in a long time. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, if you, if you want a good thing, and they did show it at uh, at Magfest this weekend um, on both Friday and Sunday, at Magfest out in uh, Maryland, kind of by DC, and I actually flew out there um, to join them and, and kind of check it out and check out that scene. And the audience response was great. So everybody was just like, "This is crazy. Uh, this whole story is really crazy." You guys did a great job. So they did a little Q and A afterwards. Um, and talk to we got to talk to people who saw it and stuff, and it was really it was pretty neat. So, audience response been good so far. So again, similar thing. You know, we're not we're not lying about anything. It's just some good stuff. Just and, good things. And just around. like uh, just like graphite, this is the first uh, this is the first project that Forever an Astronaut has made of this magnitude. Yeah. I think Alessio, the producer or the director's uh, goal has forever been a sort of feature length thing, feature length film, something like that, and. Uh, for the MAGFest screening in particular, they had to, it's usually, it's a six episode format, um, but they actually did sort of, you know, almost like a super cut sort of thing where they compiled it down into a 70 minute show as opposed to the 200, I think it's a 210 minute or something like that across all four or all six episodes. It's got some beef to it. It's got some beef to it. So, so yeah, if you want to get a behind the scenes, um, you know, get more of us being silly, see how Crashlands was made. And all the weird stuff that <laughs> happened in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you know how they're doing the, are they, are they, so they're selling it by episode? 
You can say, yeah, it's a couple bucks per episode, usual sort of I style. S- I assume you could probably buy them all together. Yep. I don't know. I think yeah. quite a season at a time. So, but yeah, maybe, that, maybe that, the first one has does it give you a taste for free or is it? Uh, I think the first one's free. Might be first one's free, and then you're hooked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but they do. They're doing Steam trading cards and stuff, which apparently you could do with. Can you, yeah, get, can you get achievements? For, you get achievements for watching that. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, said he's working on like the art stuff for that, and his wife came over. She's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, I'm "Making achievements from a movie." <laughs> <laughs> what? It, what are you uh, talking oh, about? It would have been man. so cool if we could have hooked somehow hooked to the movie up to Scotch ID. Oh man! Like, open up a there. That would have been. There a, is a way. That would have been a hell of a, a hell of an intro to the Tuma Quest chain. Oh yeah. Like to, to watch the documentary oh, about. <laughs> Actually, we might. Okay, let's because we can. I don't know, but the problem is movies. Unless Steam has a player, does Steam Steam must have a player, right? Some sort of movie uh, player. Yeah, I assume you don't download it. So if that like movie here. player has the ability to, to like to query a server to ask something, right? Then we could have it check with us and ask if that person because mm. because we because somebody if well, somebody well, verifies <laughs> their ownership of of Crashlands on Steam, then we know their Steam ID. Mm-hmm. So then if they were to verify this thing on Steam, we could link those together and we could give them something. Whoa. So this we'll is, this is that, not yeah. going to happen. Almost definitely not. <laughs> but, but I am intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> like all things, it might happen. All right, so, oh, that'd uh, be cool. Yeah, have the, have the Tuma, have some addition to the Tuma quest or something. That would be, mm-hmm. that would yeah. be really cool. Get some kind of huh. a get some kind of a relic from the movie. Yeah. Uh, that you could put up in your. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Like the wall cow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um, that would be awesome. Anyway, also uh, next weekend is the Global Game Jam, which we will be partaking mm-hmm. in. I'm sorry, my grammar was all fucked up. In which we will be partaking. You we mean will, take parting? In which we will partake. Uh, we're going to partay through the Global Game Jam. <laughs> Wait, is that this weekend or next weekend? It's next weekend. Next weekend. So uh, 20, it starts the 20th, it goes through the 22nd. Um, if you have any interest whatsoever in seeing what it's like to develop a game. I would recommend looking up, trying to find if they're in your city or nearby within, you know, driving distance of you. If there's a global game jam site, there are how many sites around the world? There's like 16,000 or thousands. Um, Ungodly. Yeah. And just tons and tons of games come out of this. Uh, Usually in St. Louis, there's about 250 plus people come Mm -hmm. to this and 50, 60 games come out of it. Uh, It is, it's intense. Yeah. So we're going to be doing that. Um, and yeah, we'll just be, we'll probably, we'll probably talk about it some more next week with, mm-hmm. with more solid plans. But you should start getting prepped. Yeah. So if you don't know how clear to the do, deck. Yeah. yeah. If you don't, if you have clear your deck, make your life fine. If you don't know how to do any things that you would need to know how to do at all, just start studying a bit, you know? Yeah. yeah. If you, you, know, if game you download maker. Game Maker, go through the tutorials, uh, pick up Inkscape or some kind of art program and make mm-hmm. a hideous stick man. Oh yeah. Or stick mm-hmm. woman. That's how it starts. Stickman. Yep. Stickman. Yep. Stick person, stick human. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll have more info on that next week, but just know that it's coming and we're giving you advance warning so that you don't, you have literally no excuse mm-hmm. for yeah. not, for not being there. There's yeah. There's nothing. I can think of anything. There's not a single thing that could take precedence. Over nope. it. All right. Well, let's get to some questions. Yes. So questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. You can ask them with your bscotch ID or anonymously, but why would you want to do that? Because Or you could not ask if you just, if you really don't you want to. You can just to. look at them. Um, yeah, we could do we'd that. prefer if you did ask. Uh, but if you do ask a question and we answer it, you do get a perk, a special little perk. Uh, gives you a coffee with butterscotch avatar for the forums and everything else, which is super fancy. And thanks to everybody who went and answered our survey questions. Also, a podcast episode. There's a link to a to a survey mm-hmm. asking just why do you why do you listen to this thing? So I think the last time I checked last week there were seventy yeah. responses or something, which is pretty good. It's like ten percent of our yeah of our incredible. listenership. Um, 
And it was really interesting and fun to read. It's very goofy. Yeah, I don't think we've decided to change. No, there was one thing we did change, which is the podcast should now be louder. Yeah. You told Patrick to normalize the audio up. I don't even know if those words go together. I don't know either, but that's what happened. <laughs> so so thanks to Patrick and to the two or three of you and my wife who were like, this is too dang quiet and I can't hear anything. Yeah. yeah. You changed the words. It's quiet. All right. So uh, we have a, just an ungodly amount of questions for some reason. So uh, we're going to. We're going to do some question pops. Oh, holy crap. I actually, I actually looked at this page since last week. Yeah, we're, there are a ridiculous number of questions. <laughs> of we're questions. going to blaze. Um, also, comically, so Adam built these tools for us so we, in the background, could rearrange the questions on the podcast page. Because usually what happens is you have to copy the questions over to Google Doc, strip out a bunch of the formatting, reformat it a little bit, and then rearrange them into sort of an intelligible good order. And so Adam built this thing where we could just drag and drop the questions that already exist in the podcast page and then just, you know, have that up on your phone while we're doing the podcast. So cut out a big bunch of these steps. Problem is it doesn't save the order, which means that, you know, if you want to, if we have like 50 questions, which we do today. Rearrange them? That you rearrange them on your phone, which is just. Not the best. Also, it can't scroll yet when you get to the top of the screen. There's, there's also <laughs> so you have to that. rearrange things like one yeah. jump you at a time. Bump them ladders up. So uh, it's a work in progress. It's done manually, but hopefully we'll have, we'll have better systems next time. So um, the first stuff I want to hit is stuff uh, questions about the next game, which were there. There are a good couple of. So let's just we'll just hit that real quick. Like um, the question comes from a, a bunch of different people. Uh, Yolo four twenty nine <laughs> asks, um, <Nice. laughs> "What will be your next game?" Uh, Deathtron one asks, "Are you guys going to make more awesome games like Top Fight and Crashlands, etc.?" Um, so what what are we doing next? Let's give it just a brief little spiel. Hit him in the face. Okay, so brief spiel. Uh, we are calling it Quadrupus 2 only because the core of the gameplay is going to be very much the same as original Quadrupus. And it will be in the ocean? It will yes. be in the ocean and it will follow Quadrupus characters of some sort. Um, we we don't know if it's going to be a direct sequel to Quadrupus or if it will be some kind of a... Because we know that Crashlands is a sequel to Quadrupus. Mm -hmm. And so it, just in terms of the overall story of what's happening on Wonope. So in a way, it will be a sequel to both Crashlands and Quadrupus. Right. And uh, that means that some of the characters from Crashlands may appear in this game. Uh, some of the characters from Quadrupus Rampage mm -hmm. may as well. And we want to... Still keep the focus on that, you know, deep sea frenzied combat, but bring in some of the world building and storytelling and stuff that we did in Crashlands, as well as open up some avenues of gameplay that we haven't, or that we didn't explore in Quadrupus Rampage, which are things that are a little bit more chilled out. Because mm -hmm. the whole game is just rampaging through the ocean, beating the hell out of fish. Mm -hmm. And we want to, we want to provide opportunities for players to also you know, chill out every now and yeah. then. And I think this is, this is one of the things we learned from, I guess you could see it as a, it's sort of a, it is a continuation of Crashlands in the sort of quadrupus sense, I guess is the, is the most weird way to put it. Because while we're calling it internally quadrupus two, I don't know that it will actually be, you know, titled as such when we launch it. Um, yeah, it definitely will. We don't know what the title is. Yeah. We're, we're just calling it that because it's the closest analog. Call it a spiritual successor, but taking all the stuff that we did in Crashlands that we loved, which is a lot of the world building, frankly, just the better overall combat mechanics and stuff and integrating that into a more action paced gameplay. But then taking this extra layer of, of some town building um, and in general sort of chilled out prog progressing as a thing. So mm -hmm. uh, we're hoping to have all sorts of really goofy systems in this thing, which we've, we basically, we spec the whole thing out. Uh, we were about a week in right now. Um, so I sort of got it basically working um, as far as I did it, as far as the environment's <laughs> going and stuff. 
And so we're doing a, we're doing a ton of sort of experiments with the art right now to figure out what exactly we want this thing to look like, how we can mm-hmm. make it just way more beautiful than, than Crashlands was, and certainly much more beautiful than Quadrupus was. Yeah, and Sam, Sam and Seth are in the the constant tug of war between artist and programmer. Yeah. So we argue. Artist saying, "How can I do literally whatever I want?" And programmer saying. How can, can I, how can I give you as many rules as possible? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the most recent one was, I was like, I want huge environment pieces, Seth. It's like, I want to be able to put a monolith into the game that is just huge because we need some sense of scale. We've never been able to get a sense of scale in our games. Cause even in Crashlands, the log trees plus any other resource you have can only be one and a half Which are supposed tall. to be trees, but they're just the same size as your character. Because they can't be bigger than a tile. And Which is part of the problem of uh, Perlin noise or, mm-hmm. or part of the problem of using dynamic world generation as you're running around is if you have something huge and you, you can actually see this. If you go into the tundra, if you run south, mm-hmm. you will see the tops of glazer antlers appearing into existence at the bottom of your screen. Because the glazers are huge. glazers are enormous. Yep. Um, and, and so if you had a really tall tree or something like that, then and it spilled up too high not only does it obscure things behind it but you can see it popping into existence on the edge mm-hmm. of the screen so so we made a bunch of changes to make it so that we can actually do a suite of these various uh, larger environment pieces but they have their own restrictions themselves so in this mm-hmm. case we can't do like huge logs as long well we can if they're square shaped logs yeah so, <laughs> so anything that's like a long rectangle or anything that's sort of got a weird shape to it where it's not actually a, it's not essentially a blown up piece of the grid so we went from being one only one grid tile in size to now any number of grid tiles provided there provided a, it's a square, square. <laughs> a power <yeah. laughs> so, so it could be it could be <laughs> two by two could be three by three could the be possibilities 30, could be 30 are by 35. nearly endless yeah yeah, they they are basically they are endless. Uh, <laughs> so, at a certain point, we run out of texture space. But the thing <laughs> is, it's already even just with just with lifting that particular restriction. We have these rocks that I made actually for uh, Wonope when we were working on that project a good while ago. And so I just pulled them over and uh, slapped them on the ground, and then Seth scaled them up to put them in the game. And even with that, just that scale difference between your character and these rocks that are on a it's just a three by three. Yeah, just encountering an enormous boulder. It feels great. You know, that's towering yeah, over Yeah, it feels your so good. Yeah, so. It, it, it's all about, because I, I think you actually, and Seth and I were talking about this too, we were, we were thinking through how would we do some of the things that Sam was wanting us mm-hmm. to do. And, uh, but as, as we were talking about, we are just like, you know, there's actually not much you have to do to, because the whole goal is basically to make it less and less obvious to the player that they're on a grid. And, and also just to make the environment more interesting. Yeah, where right. instead of instead of literally Real. everything you see is the same size, right. you know, yeah. now all of a sudden you encounter yeah you encounter an enormous thing you encounter a tiny little pebble mm-hmm. right yep. and it's all and fine. It, just, it honestly doesn't take that much though nope. before before it actually feels immersive and feels interesting and diverse yeah, yeah. so we're we're still in the early phase where um, there's a lot of basically almost complete experimentation in terms of figuring out what the hell is going on um, says building systems this time around uh, that are really really flexible. So one of the huge problems we ran into with Crashlands was that it wasn't coded in such a way that uh, that we could continue to add really, really cool stuff to the game. At some point, sort of the the cost of the legacy of the code that was built early on con- started constricting the design of the game. So the question of, oh, what if we did this? Because we just put this in the game. This would be a neat thing to have. As we got probably about like a year in, like the whole last year of that, it was pretty much like, we really can't. Yeah, the answer just so over time just becomes like, oh, we're pretty much locked in. So, yeah. So any like if we come up with this cool new idea, it would require reworking thing A through X. Yeah. To well, make that's that why work. it took three hundred hours to put in controller support. Yeah. And yeah. why we will never put in multiplayer support. Right. Yeah. Right. But because we can we can do, uh, for example, same screen multiplayer with this next game because we're going to plan on it yep. from yeah. the front <laughs> yep. and all the systems the are ground built, up. Yeah. So. 
Uh, so that's that's the plan with with the next game stuff, and we'll we'll keep you guys posted on that. As soon as we have screenshots that we're willing to share, then we'll share them. Um, yeah, there there's a an interesting thing that happens at the beginning of development from an art perspective, which is nothing has context. Yes. So making item number five hundred in Crashlands was a piece of cake. Yeah. Because we knew what the terrain looked like. We knew what it was going to be made of. Um, we knew where it came from. We knew what it was used for. We knew the specs of how big it's supposed to be in resolution. And so Sam could make an art asset for Crashlands in 18 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, but the beginning, probably 30 art assets, took several hours, yeah. if not more, a piece. And they got reworked over and over well, it's actually again. Because you're, so we, we refer to it almost like, uh, if you think about how you, how you create a die or a cast for a mold. Um, there's a lot of work that has to go into that initial piece of making sure your measurements are all correct, um, that everything is is sort of set up properly. And most of the work, as far as the manufacturing process goes, involves getting that dye made correctly. Once you got um, it, you just pour exactly. plastic in Once it you dye, well, yeah, once you have it, you can, if it, yeah, you can just work and it's good to go. And so a lot of this earlier stuff, and I had forgotten about this because we haven't been here for so long, frankly, that... Um, that the early phase is this combination of really fun because it's a ton of thinking and talking and, and doing this design work to try to figure out how everything puts together. And then a lot of frustration because most of the stuff you make just tells you, just sort of grows to inform how wrong you were about your initial projection. Of what right. you need to make. And so you're like, oh shit, I just spent three hours in this thing and now I understand what yep. this needs to do. Well, it's, it's just like, we, you know, we, we make that joke about, I mean, Crashlands for the first, actually for the first month and a half that it existed was tiny. Like it yeah. was, you, you could walk across the whole world in four minutes mm -hmm. and it took us seven minutes to generate that world. Yeah. Uh, and now it's, you know, now you, you couldn't cover the entire map in 65 years and it generates instantly. But for the first month and a half of of the game existing, that's the way it was. And we are just like, we'll probably figure it out. We'll keep building yeah. stuff, right? And so there's always this tension too, as far as like moving toward a finished product with something. So Seth and I have this a bunch with with uh, with art pieces where I'll send him a rock or something. I'm like, all right, here's a rock. And I'm testing, like I'm looking for these, this, 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 and this with regards to this rock. And then he might come back and say, okay, I think this is good. We should change this. Also like you should finish this piece. And of course, at this point early in the game, I don't want to finish. Like, I don't want to put the finishing work into anything because everything is so it's gonna in flux. Get it's going to get reworked anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's this interesting, uh, it's a really interesting communication thing. Um, and a lot of fun, but I, I, I totally forgot how much. It's what it's like to build yeah. a game. <laughs> just that how, well, how much energy goes into this upfront piece of the design phase. Like, it's just, just a lot, yeah. a lot of experiments, a lot of talking and all that stuff. So. Um, but yeah, that's that's the plan. That's what we're doing next. Yeah. Uh, so Angry Muffin asks, I plan on purchasing Quadrupus 2 the second it's available on mobile and Steam. Good. Good, Angry Muffin. Good on Just ya. the second? Why not sooner? <laughs> but, Why wait? Why not pre-order? But for those of us who like to know what a game is like before we buy it, where there'll be keys sent to popular YouTubers in lieu of a free demo. Yep. Yes, there will be. How early, though? Uh... They will come out. Well, this is the question. Yeah, we don't know. So yeah, so with Crashlands, we sent out the keys like three weeks before launch. Yeah, and then our two our weeks. two weeks. two weeks, and then mm -hmm. our press embargo got broken immediately. Yep. Uh, so, yep. so uh, I think uh, <laughs> well, in, in our in our our sort of theory has been and still is that we didn't actually we didn't actually do the launch with that in mind the last time as strongly is that you should only let people see a thing when they can go get it. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, we're probably going to send keys to streamers and do all that kind of stuff, but we might actually, and we'll have to give them ahead of time so they can make videos and do all that stuff. But 
our embargo might actually be launch day this time instead of a couple of days before, yeah. because that way when people see it, they can go get it if they want to. Right. But yeah, I don't know. So we're still figuring everything out. And I think one of the other things we want to do is we want to have a better run up to launch actually. Yeah. Um, a lot of the games that do that, frankly, are just much more successful than the games that Crash Lands or any of the games we made have had marketing run-ups of you know at least three, if not six, if not 12 months, depending on how long the game took to make. And this poses a really troublesome problem for us because we make games really damn fast. And so if we make a game in six months, it's not like we have something on day one that we're ready to ship yeah. out and be like, look at this. Well, and three months into that six months project, the game looks very different than it does in yeah. six months. And so, uh, so it's, it's a weird hard place we sort of inadvertently have ourselves in because of the fact that we uh, we dev games really fast and also we don't have enough sort of bandwidth and stuff to just let them sit idly by while we make another one and wait a while. So so we're still figuring all this stuff out. Um, next question comes from Madness J5 who says, why should I trust Bscotch? <laughs> you should. Wait, wait, is that the I mean, extent of the question? No, the rest of it is, oh. are all of your games really awesome? Should I? But I thought, you know, let's get to the nitty gritty here. So I think <laughs> what you what you can trust is that we will go through maximum effort to try to make games that are fun and interesting. Mm -hmm. Whether or not the game we make is actually the kind of game you like to play, you know, who knows? Everybody has their own preferences. So, I mean, that's all we can say, right? We, we put, we try. Yeah, we try. And, yeah. We, and we think we know what we're doing in, in a lot of respects, but you can't please everybody. So you should just use your judgment. Yeah. Yeah. And also as a, as a business, our, our explicit goal, or I guess our goal is not explicitly to just make infinite money. We'd be making free to play games if we wanted to do that. Yeah. And yeah. Very, in a very specific type. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so our goal is to, is we need to make enough money to, to stay afloat, hire people, run a studio and, and do all of that, of course. But, but that isn't the actual goal of what we're doing. So I think just that in itself makes the thing more trustworthy, you know, mm -hmm. the moment profit isn't the primary motivator. Yeah. We need your dollar, but we're not here for your dollar. Yeah. That makes sense. But we, we will take it. We'll, we'll super take we'll it. Totally take, take it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Our next question comes from Nehenson Jr. Who says, how do you bros approach building tools like the Shenanimator or Ink Pump that integrate with other software? This is a good one for Adam, I thought, as far as uh, Ink how, Pump. Yeah, I guess how do we approach it? It's more, uh, I guess it's mostly uh, hope to God that the thing that I'm working with has a command line interface, <laughs> so, which we, I've complained about in the past, I'm pretty sure, in a recent episode. <laughs> Uh, and so one of the, one of the key ones being uh game maker does not have that, but game makers files are XML. So we can so hack can them. Be hacked. So yeah, it's mostly, I look for anything that can be hacked or a command line. Interface yeah. Any, anytime a piece of software outputs files and then reads from those files. Yeah. You could be like, can I just fuck with these? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just open them up and start. Yep. And, then, and then like, once you figure out how it, the system works, you then write a piece of software that can also read those files, gives you a new interface to interact with those files. And then. Right. Yeah. It's new and then replaces them in a, in a different way. Right. And after that, it's all about trying to fully grasp the problem that you're, that you're trying to solve. Right. So in the case of something like the ink pump, it was basically, I knew the endpoints, I knew what Samsung were trying to accomplish. And so I could look at them and, and watch what they were doing in these inter interfaces, get a sense of kind of what the rules were and then make a draft. And that draft as Sam and Seth will test was insufficient. <laughs> and we tried to use lots it, of ways. Uh, we tried to use it making bed tea the yed tea. Yeah. It worked for about three hours. It worked for started. three hours and then it just and ran into some <laughs> problematic bugs. And then it actually had to be rewritten because those bugs were so uh, fundamental to how the thing worked. And so then I just rewrote it with all these new things in mind. And, and now we're in a position where it seems to work and do everything that it needs to do mm -hmm. for now. But, you know, eventually we'll find out there's some other use cases. Well, well, I think Sam and I discovered a new bug just this morning. Ooh, nice. Oh, yeah, I got yeah. one for you. Um, it's yeah, fun. Good so, I, but I think, 
I think there's, a, there's an interesting thing here because talking about the design of this piece of software or the design of the games, there's a really, there's an interesting difficulty with knowing, actually knowing what the problem is before you've tried to make a solution to it. Yeah. And because I mean, in, it's, it's in a, trying to solve it, you learn the you full actually scope learn of the, the problem. problem. Right. And you can't just solve it up front normally. Right. Yeah. So you have to get started. Mm-hmm. It's always the path you have to take. You yeah. just have to, you have to sketch out the thing, get an idea of kind of what it is. And then just take it one piece at a time. So, so I always, so for like the ink pump, the first question I had was, okay, what are the files that exist that I need to hack? And then how do I represent them inside of a, of a program? Right. So I, so that was, that's before any of the other actual important pieces, the problem of how do I make it do all these cool automatic things? It was just, okay, start with piece one, get this stuff from where it exists out in the world into some model inside of the Mm -hmm. software. And then, and then just go from there, just keep on adding piece by piece. And then as you realize you fucked something up, go fix it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Arcarnix, who asks, uh, we see Crashlands Bog and Talfight 2 as the Purple Marsh, and both games also have a savanna. So does that make the Nightmare Realm the tundra of Crashlands? I would say the ton- the Nightmare Realm is actually more like the bog. Well, so Lumps is in is in the bog, or Lumps is sort of a uh, maze is in the bog because of the perk. Um, so if you play Talfight and you beat Lumps, who's the boss, the primary boss of the second biome, the Purple Marsh of Death, then you can find an outpost in Crashlands, which is actually lumps, sort of like it's like a gridded maze that is meant to sort of... So did the bog overtake the Purple Marsh of Death? Who knows? They've talked Ooh, about it. The, the Brubus alluded to the fact that there were previous things. There was a previous entity. Because the, bog is, an, the bog. bog is an organism. The bog mm-hmm. is basically cancer. Yeah. And yeah. then there was another cancer that grew yeah. up on the cancer, and that and was too much. They talked about how there was a previous set of creatures and everything that lived there before before the bog rose up so the bog might be pretty recent it might be or at least or at least this region of it yeah 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 i don't know i guess we never really did say where exactly on woe nope crashlands takes place correct versus top fight two nor how far apart the biomes the biomes are from each other Mm -hmm. yeah because 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 if it's the case though that if the biomes are pretty far apart then it may be the case that you know, maybe the the bog is where the Purple Marsh of Death was, but that also means that the bog might have been where all of Talfight 2 took place. Yeah, because it was an artificial structure as well. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. It was a maze concocted by, by Forn. Yep. yep. So interesting. So the bog may have just sort of crept, just crept over the whole damn thing. Whoa. Know, who knows? Maybe someday somebody will find the remains of the entire... Tell fight inside inside of maybe Matrix. for our 20th anniversary because so did you guys see for uh so Diablo had their 20th anniversary mm-hmm. and so they remade the 16 level dungeon of the original Diablo inside of Diablo 3 yeah because the original Diablo was actually quite small by comparison yeah. And yeah. So they 16 just, levels they remade it and then they put a pic they put a pixel filter on it so everything looks pixelated and then they locked your character your character doesn't have super dynamic uh animation poses and stuff so they just like, breathing <laughs> one or something they or? walk they can only walk and they like, or they can only get locked in the four different directions, right? Or the eight, eight different directions. So, <laughs> it would be hilarious. Um, huh. yeah, if you watch a little bit of gameplay of it, and they they made the butcher and a few of these other bosses and I stuff. Hated that butcher, <laughs> the rogue, the rogue crushed the butcher though, because all you got to do is you you get behind a a little, you run into a little enclosed area, shut the door, and if there's a a gate mm-hmm. you, that you can shoot arrows through, the butcher just paces in front of the gate, and you just shoot arrows through. I think I tried because otherwise do you that. get one shot by the but- like you cannot beat. The but butcher. you know how he's super fast though, because I I think I I remember trying to do that a few times, and I would run in and then try to turn around, close the door, and he would just get in before I could close. Well, no, he, he's not super fast. He's just exactly your speed. 
And oh. so if you let, if you let him get, you have to be at least you know X number of tiles ahead of him. Otherwise, mm. otherwise you're you're doomed. Boned. I mean, Diablo <laughs> was a huge thing for us back in back in the day. Yeah, Diablo two. Diablo two is the best. I was like, I was uh, I was actually playing Diablo three with my wife last night a little bit. Mm-hmm. And while I was downloading, I went and looked at Diablo two because I was just I just I wanted to just remind myself of like some pictures of it and get some stats and stuff, you know. And but then I looked at its uh its platform requirements. It needed. It needed uh, what was it? Six hundred megahertz processor. Yep. And sixty four megabytes of RAM. What? <laughs> I was like, what? Holy <laughs> shit! What does Crash Land take for RAM? One hundred and fifty. Yeah. Yeah. And needs a significantly faster processor than. Well, actually, maybe not that much faster. Yeah. Probably not. No, maybe not. Crash Land is pretty light, but yeah, that's but not that light. But that's not ridiculous, that light. especially for how much content they have in there. But to be fair, Crash Land's baseline resolution. For mobile is nine sixty by five forty, which is like way higher than Diablo. Yeah, it's so, more than twice as many pixels. Right. As Diablo <laughs> two is six forty by four eighty. Oh yeah, and then with the expansion, they upped it to eight hundred by six hundred. So they. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> hilarious. Real fancy. All right, cool. You, you um, will notice it if you go back and play it. So next question comes from Mitron, who asks: Assassin's Creed is out in cinema, starring Michael Fassbender and. Marion Cotillard. When Crashlands hits the big screen, which actors would you cast for Flux, Grand Mammy, and Hugo Duco? Okay, so Hugo Duco would obviously <laughs> be motion capture played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what, are you, what are you motion capturing? Just the head? The, the face. face. Yeah, just, just the face. head. Yeah. yeah. He played nice. S- Smaug. 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 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, what about... What about uh, Flux? Who would be Flux, Flux and Grandmammy? Why not ask? Okay, yeah. Who would be the actor or actress to voice Juicebox? So does well? who 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 is a actress is like got the action but sassy vibes? Was it? Uh, I don't know. I'm bad with with remembering. What's Katniss Everdeen's name? Katniss Everdeen. What's uh, that one? Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. Should be funny. She, she could swing it. Maybe uh, or Ahura from Star Trek. She like kicks a shitload of ass. Doesn't she? What's her name? Doesn't she also plays uh, that green person? Yeah, and the Avatar, and the Avatar the girl. She's like all sorts of colors. Why don't I know yeah. her name? She's everywhere. Anyway. It's Zoe Saldana. Oh yeah, yeah. Is that it? Sure That's right. Know. Yeah. Okay, who Either would, way, who would you do? Who would you pick for uh, for Grandmammy? Uh, Meryl Streep, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what about Juicebox? This is the funny one. Your voice actor for Juicebox. I think we also Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> what about The Rock? Oh, the yeah, Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Let's just do Dwayne Johnson for everybody. Yeah. Roll, roll oh, he's so good. It. I love it. <laughs> well, actually, Dwayne Johnson should play the Flux character, but it should be voice acted by General Lawrence. <laughs> Ooh, so yeah. It's the, the power suit. Right, I right. Mean, we would just paint. We just paint Dwayne Johnson purple. Put a little mask on him, <laughs> and then have Jennifer Lawrence be. <laughs> I like this idea. All right, next question comes from Cody IVX, I think, or Kadilvix. Kadilvix. <laughs> oh, he says, uh, say that someone wanted to play Goopademic. How would they go about downloading it? Let's talk about Goopademic real quick. What is Goopademic? Uh, it's a jam game we made in a day, eight hours. Eight hours. I think it's an eight hour game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where it exists. We're actually talking about this because we're looking to hire an administrative assistant. And, uh, Which you can find on our blog. We yeah, have a, slash office manager. And, um, one of the things we need them to do is figure out where we put all these jam games. Yeah, I, think should, I think we should put it onto because uh, we have an itch account. Yeah, where we, we need to update where our itch we started page. putting our jam games, the new ones. And then we were like, we don't have time for this. Yeah, well, it's yeah. we have this problem where we, 
there was a, we were making games so fast that we just misplaced like half of them. <laughs> like we would make them and then uh, like, oh shit, we even don't fucking know where they were. Even <laughs> ones that were published. Tau Fight's missing like one of its whole art pages. I don't even know where it is. Yeah, it's just yeah. gone forever. There's just and, stuff uh, gone. And Gerblins. <laughs> Gerblins, like it's, it's source oh, yeah. code is old source code that isn't even the final version that doesn't even work. Yeah. How we, does that work? We don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we just don't know. You mean, you, you, we made Gerblins, the game. published it, and then that's it. And that's it. Yeah. And then somehow the source code that we well, have we also, now. We lost some key too, right? Yeah, you watched the Java we key lost store. We lost the Java key that. store, so we, we, couldn't, we couldn't update, update it, it anyway. And so we just kind of walked away from and it. And then we lost this bunch of the source code. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, it's just, Gerblins is just exactly what it is and is now mostly on Just keep back, whenever you're, whenever you're trying to do something, just remember that, uh, that Butterscotch has lost like half <laughs> <laughs> Of the games that it is produced. We probably today. won't lose the big ones. I hope not. <laughs> no. Well, now we, that we're we actually keep, using proper source control. Yeah, we keep pretty pretty hardcore uh, records and source control yeah. and stuff for, for the, for yeah, the real games. I haven't lost any Crashlands assets yet, so that's good. Mm-hmm. That's true. Is that true? <laughs> well, I mean, I lost, is I lost a few of them as I was building them. <laughs> oh, right. And then you had to rebuild them. No, I just didn't. Or you just, we just moved on. Just yeah. made something else. <laughs> well, I guess that's not going in the game. The lost Crashman's assets. Oh, man. Yeah. I wonder how big that, Flux, how big that pile of items is. Flux's <laughs> sister. Was, oh, nope. Nope. That's not going to happen. Uh, but yeah, if you, if you, uh, we're at like bscotchnanny.itch.io or some. Yeah. Thing. I think a few. How many up there? What have we got up there? We have just a couple. Two, I think. Two, two or three things. Oh, so we didn't put any of the other ones. No, we, no, we haven't. We haven't yet. <laughs> we, we did it for the for the two scatter jams. Yeah, right. We right, did, right. Uh, yeah. Do you even lift and Bedti the Yeti mm-hmm. are both up? Which, on there. At being the most recent jam games, are also among the best because yeah, you know, more skill and so. We on. need to get Shucks up there. It's still Shucks is just my favorite game we've made. Oh, it's my least favorite. Seth hates it. I love I it. Hate it so much. <laughs> let's publish it. Uh, yeah, so I think I think we will try to collect things on H.io eventually, but that'll probably be something we try to have somebody else do. Cool. All right, next question comes from Jared Morgs, who says, "As I play Crashlands on Android, I'm reminded of an arcade of arcade games like Gauntlet Legends. If you were going to make a hypothetical arcade port of Crashlands, how would you balance out the gameplay experience to be something an arcade punter would play? I don't know how you could turn a 60-hour RPG into a into a coin op. I game. guess what about Crashlands would remind a person of Gauntlet Legends? Let's start there right? <laughs> and know, work our way back. You know, I don't know. I didn't even ask that question. Now that I am, I don't. I'm not certain. So good question. So for those who haven't played Gauntlet Legends, it is an up to four player game, dungeon crawler sort of. I guess kind of. Kind of. You you have this. There's a big castle, and then you go to these different rooms in the castle, and you you all stand on these warp sphincters mm-hmm. that every, and then mm-hmm. all all of your characters sort of spin and shrink away, and then you reappear somewhere in. A pre-built level. They copied this from Quadrant's they, Rampage. They, yeah. they stole it. They cloned totally Quadrant's Rampage. Yeah. Uh, and so you you show up there, and then you basically just march through the level, and it's pretty simple. You mm-hmm. know, you just like you you just run up, you run at an enemy, and your character just starts punching it. And then you, <laughs> and then you, and then you also you have, have, a, range you have a few power ups and stuff. Yeah, range yeah. tech, and then a turbo tech, which lets right. you unleash a crazy, cool, like demon head that and just clears out a wave of enemies. Yeah, and your turbo charges. And there's an up. announcer which breaks immersion really hardcore. Oh yeah, yeah. but it's fine. You know, and when you pick up food, your your character goes sustenance, <laughs> <laughs> or they go oh no no. My favorite one is in that. So I'm personally a huge fan of the Gauntlet series, and we play Dark Legend. All the time. This is a PlayStation 1. Um, four player. It had like 60 hours of content. PS2. On the PS2. Just a ton of stuff. Dark Legacy. Dark was Legacy? Is that it? Gauntlet. One of I don't know. Dark Legend, Gauntlet, Legacy, whatever. Subtitle. Uh, there's a jester in it. 
but uh, they so they they took a long time and they released Gauntlet Seven Sorrows, I think it was called. Is that the recent one that we didn't like? That was also a bad one. So the thing was, so the previous gameplay was just all this sort of hacking around, just ridiculous stuff. And then they tried to do actual sort of class based gameplay. The problem was that the balance was so out of whack in uh, Seven Sorrows that if anybody on your team was playing as the warrior class and they just killed everything and the way experience was given was it just oh. went to whoever killed people. Oh, so yeah. And one of the classes was even like a support class where you could put down this rock and it would gravitate everything, all the enemies to the rock. And then your warrior guy could come up and just like, boom. Harvest so, all the XP. Yeah. And so we started doing this and uh, it's been my buddies, same guys who I played Dark Legacy with. And I picked the sorcerer guy who can put these rocks down and do all this weird time manipulation. So I was like, oh, this is going to be just the most fun, cool support role ever. Um, until we get five levels in, I'm still level two. And all my friends are like level nine and ten. And I'm just sitting there with my shitty rocks. <laughs> I got to be honest, though. I mean, th- these kinds of, these kinds of um, adversarial co-op mechanics, yep. like this is why I don't play League of Legends. Yeah, mm-hmm. is because I hate the idea that you I have to steal in, in order, someone's kill. Yeah, in yeah. order to make my character better, I have to walk up to my teammate who's been like beating on this minion and be like, nah, and just take the last yeah. hit, uh, and then basically taking gold from my teammate and depriving mm-hmm. them of being able to advance. Well, let's yeah. actually let's talk about this with regards to Quadrupus Two. Yeah, because uh, one of the sort of focal points we've been using as a as a design, uh, just a easy sort of design blueprint, is actually uh, parts of Gauntlet and Gauntlet Dark Legacy as well as some other games. But um, one of the big things we're trying to do is to make it actually be essentially the actually good co-op RPG game that you can go play with your buddies. <laughs> uh, we all played the actual gauntlet that came out, or like the remastered one that came out recently on Steam. It has a shitload of sales. When I tried to play on a multiplayer, I couldn't find anybody. So I'm not sure where these people are. But um, we played it all together and it was not it just fun? Wasn't fun. I don't know what the deal was. Exactly. <laughs> it just wasn't good. Um so we, we're trying to hit, we're, we're looking at all these examples. because you've grown up now and you just can't enjoy things, you know? There's a, no, because we've lost we, the capacity for wonder. <laughs> but not too long ago, we did play the gauntlet on PS2 again. Like oh, that ago. was pretty it awesome. Was so it was still fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing. So we're, we're uh, we'll be hitting a few of these sort of design points that they do really well in some of these co-op games and things like Alien Swarm, which is a free game on Steam. If you haven't played it, it's yeah. incredible. Um, plus Gauntlet Dark Legacy is kind of where we're aiming to to situate this thing in terms of the feel of running around with a buddy in this case in the ocean. Um, you won't maybe be a little to, bit of left for dead. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. There's a little bit of left for dead in there. Mm-hmm. So you have to currently you have to slap the shit. Out of your friend got a they go down. Mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> did you go up and slam the X button a bunch? And I did a have a, mode? I did have a fuck up though. Cause I have it so that when you're, when your character goes down. So if you're in single player mode, when you go down, you're just done. Right. And for multiplayer mode, you can get this kind of second win thing where you go down, other player comes up, and they just slap the shit out of you, and then you become revived somehow with a little yeah, slipper of slapping. Yeah. Uh, and I had implemented a mechanic where the the body of your character has some inertia to it. Where when you it get, wasn't like some though. Well, no. I don't know what was happening. Well, because it was a lot. <laughs> like you would die, and you just, your body would just go sailing. Well, into yeah, the this is the problem. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was supposed to be that whatever hit you. Uh, you, your body would kind of go the opposite direction mm-hmm. and kind of do a little slide move just for a brief moment. But I fucked up the balance on it and then forgot about it. Uh, <laughs> so I made it so that it was a six-second deceleration <laughs> where it would take six entire <laughs> seconds to to level off. So you'd get hit by something, and then all of a sudden you just flew off the level. And so then <laughs> Sam and I were trying to do a thing where his floating body was out there, like over the abyss. And so I would use my ink, and I would shoot over there, and then like, 
slap him as I flew past and then go back and like regenerate my ink and fly back up and slap him again. And then I finally got him slapped up to hell. And, just fell down. and then he just fell down. Down to this. Yeah. There was also a bug with the same mechanic when I tested it the first time where if you slap someone and revive them all the way, it would actually clone them. Right? <laughs> but but the, they would stay down. It would, it would clone them at the starting location. Right. So they would start running. And then if you slapped the body again, you then it would clone another one. one. So you had like this weird Whoa. army of like identical <laughs> quadruped. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're working on something that a, that a group of people can actually play and really, really enjoy the shit out of. Um, or an army of clones. Or an army of clones. Mm-hmm. Locally, yeah. though. Local multiplayer. All right, our next yeah. question comes from Vapor Fox, and this is actually a bug. So I just want to address this real quick. In the Crashlands Juice Mancy, Mancy patch, uh, essentially you can uh, you can spend juice on things that you can't actually upgrade. In other words, you can you can spend juice to not get anything in return. Well, this only applies to the gongs. Yeah. The, the, the fish. The fish weapons, the four different fish weapons in the game. Um, so don't spend any money on those. There's a patch coming to fix it, but if you guys listen to this and you get a gong, don't try to upgrade it because it's already legendary. What are you doing? What are you doing? No, it's not. Isn't it? They're epic. They're epic. Wait, the gongs what? are all epic. You can't upgrade them to legendary because they're the they are the only non-legendary weapons in the game that have a fixed quality. Right. So so normally uh. weapons have variable qualities to them, and the gongs force themselves to be epic. So when you go to upgrade them, they're like, cool, no problem, no problem. I'll take your juice. Let me just re-roll my oh, whoops, I'm epic still. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> We added that voiceover. That was our deal with it. Uh, no, actually, uh, Sure has been doing a round of bug fixes on Crashlands mm-hmm. this past week, and he's already got that taken care of. So, cool. In the next patch, that'll be fixed. Sweet. Our next question comes from Sin Linux, who asks if you guys could forget any game, either because you hated it or really loved it, which would it be? <laughs> I would forget Kerbal Space Program. Do you do that over again? over again? I agree. Yep. Because there, there are a lot of games. No portal, original portal. Oh yeah, any puzzle yeah, game. Any puzzle would be game good to be able to forget yeah. because once, once the replay once. value of a puzzle game is virtually zero. Yeah, portal still swings it a bit because the because Glados is so good. It's just yeah, as a, as you got yeah. If you, if you wait a few years, it's yeah. kind of like forgetting everything. Mm-hmm. It know? is surprising how I was. I was actually marveling at this because the last time I replayed uh, Portal was a couple years ago, I think. But it was easily six years after the last time I had played it. Like a long time. And I still remembered all the puzzles. <laughs> and I was like, how Whoa. is my brain doing this when it can't do infinite, really useful, important things? What about, I think uh, I think the first Dragon Age game. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that'd be one that I would actually forget. Because it, in maybe Pokemon. Because the sheer fun of those experiences and like in Dragon Age it's a wonder well except if you wanted to forget Pokemon you'd have to forget all the Pokemon games because they're all basically they're the same. identical that's true yeah I think I'd do that because if you forgot only one of the Pokemon games you, you still remember you the rest still- which are the same <laughs> as well, here's the question which game would you not forget on purpose because forgetting it would be really difficult for getting back into it for me it would be uh, the, the, like when I first started playing World of Warcraft mm-hmm. because you can't do that again. <laughs> right. Right. Like yeah. we're in a different time. The right. game is different now. Everything is different. And if I forgot that, there's no way I could ever recapture what it was like to play. Pathways into wow. darkness. Oh yeah. Because I, I found a version of it that you can like make, played an emulator and all that kind of stuff um, and played it. And it does not hold up <laughs> to what I remember it being. Uh, so you make sure you remember it as, it as it was. was. Yeah. So it's kind of the same, same as, as it that. is now, yeah. but it's just, Seemed a lot better. Right. <laughs> well, it's actually, I think this is a problem of, of trying to make a game that has kind of like a gritty realism to it. 
mm-hmm. it just does not stand the test of time. No. Because no, not at all. Yeah, it, it's all about games. Don't look realistic. They just look more realistic than other games of the same time span. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, because even like when you look at a screenshot, even today, when you look at a screenshot of a game that boasts hyper realism, you can tell it's a game. Yeah. You look at it, oh, like, some of them are getting yeah, real. They're, they're getting closer close. and closer and closer, but nobody's hit it yet. Where you look at a game, you're like, wait, is that a photograph? Or is that <laughs> right. a. It's just no question. I think so, we're, we're close to that. Really close. I'd say, yeah, we're close, but not there right. yet. You know what you can do, though? Just go outside. Yep. Instead, you could just go outside and fight dragons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's that, there's that little wrinkle. <laughs> there's a little wrinkle to it. I think as far as things that I, that I definitely would not forget, I think I think Super Meat Boy, which I yeah. played through once, the whole thing. I haven't beaten it. Well, so the reason I would not forget it is because, like, the amount of skill that's required to get to the end of that fucking game yeah, is enormous. unreal. And, like, <laughs> having to start back over, nothing I want to do. No. But I want I want all the goods that came from, I want to keep my reward. From well, and, and interestingly, though, that's one of, having a high skill game, mm-hmm. uh, so kind of like a Kerbal Space Program, right, where knowing a lot of things about the game is the thing that lets you be good at the game. Right. Skill games the same. Yeah. yeah. But if it's also a puzzle game at the school where the puzzle is the knowing, which is also through the Kerbal Space Program, that is an interesting complication, right? Because with, with something like Super Meat Boy, the puzzles are all about skill, right? So you mm-hmm. still, even no matter how good you are, you still have to like figure out, navigate, and solve the puzzles. But with Kerbal Space Program, they're just actually equivalent. So, so yeah, because the, the reason I would like to forget Kerbal Space Program is because now, even though I know how to do stuff now, which makes it fun because I can go do the things. Now it's sort of like I already solved the puzzle, even though I still have to go do it. Right. It's like know? doing work. It's like doing work. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I stopped playing Kerbal Space Program when I landed a jet on one of the moons of basically Jupiter. <laughs> right. And I was like, okay, I figured it out. I figured out. I can't go any further or do anything bigger than this. Did you ever try doing one of those challenges like fly to the moon, fly and land on the moon without without actually using an external view? Yeah, so I just, did that. Did you do that yeah. from the <laughs> yeah. cockpit? Yeah. So you can. You, I got a. I got a. Uh, I got a mod that adds an, an, an like a legit instrument panel to the inside of your cockpit, so you can you can attach cameras to the outside of your vessel, so you can check like how your engines are doing, and like then five it has. At Freddy's yeah, it has like it has fuel gauges and stuff, and of course you're in a little capsule, and so all you have is a little tiny window. It's like the size of a postage stamp that is pointing up like the direction the rocket is pointing mm-hmm. basically but kind of off to the side so how you did just, you how did you land it uh very slowly <laughs> <laughs> I, I brought a ton of extra fuel yeah. and i uh because that's like my one the one thing that makes cruel space program well because you, you can hard. use rock like you can use a camera right so i have yeah, an yeah. external camera that's everyone pointing down yeah and then i and then i put spotlights on the vessel so i could see <laughs> the the lights like the lights so they shrink as yeah. you get closer to the ground so I did some test landings on Kerbin right. so I could get a sense of like, <laughs> how do the lights look when I'm landing so Whoa. I can get a good sense of it? Because your, alti- your altitude is your altitude, not from the actual ground you're above, exactly. but just from over sea level. Cool. You know, I think it's more impressive so. not to kill a dragon in a video game, but to manually land a rocket on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> that's, just, that's, that's the media. Yeah, because I had program. to build that fucking rocket. Man, yeah, that the, one, like, the one thing that I think makes Cruel Space Program is super hard. Is is exactly that that the the height it gives you is from sea level, not from the ground you're trying to fucking land on. Right. <laughs> so, like, so you never know for sure, especially when you're trying to land on a moon or something. Like you're never quite sure. Where's the sea? You're not quite sure what your <laughs> actual altitude yeah, is. Yeah, you don't know. And I'll, I'll do fun things like if I'm if I'm trying to orbit around the moon or do a flyby or something, I'll try to line it up because the moon has this. Uh, 
the super long valley that does have an altitude of zero at the bottom. Oh, yeah. And I'll try to line up my flight so you that through it. So I can fly through the valley <laughs> at like 200 feet. Cause if you're, if you're orbiting the moon, but at 200 feet, you're moving it like real fast, a thousand meters per second. Right. And so you're just, you're just, you're basically a bullet and you you're just, just like flying right the channel. <laughs> and you can even do fun <laughs> tricks, like get your Kerbal out. And have your Kerbal like EVA suit down, like right above the ground. So their toe, their toe is like right above the ground. But since they're basically orbiting, then That's they'll never fine. touch the ground. <laughs> and there's but no, they there's do, no it's going to be a problem. Yeah. And there's no wind resistance. So you're not going to, your Kerbal so isn't going to like, yeah. So you, you're just like floating there. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's neat. like doing this. So this, this to me beats the hell out of like doing a, going off a ramp on a motorcycle and doing a flip. You know, like fly to the damn moon and like get one 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 toe length above the ground (laughs) as you're traveling one kilometer a second, you know, that's a legit stunt. Yeah. All right. Next question. (laughs) Next question comes from uh, Degeki who asks thoughts on creating a game studio planter type suite of tools, manuals, guidelines, et cetera, as a butterscotch product, a planter being something we could give to someone as sort of like a toolkit for getting going. Um, underground studio journey. We've thought about this. Our biggest uh, trouble is, you know, we, I don't want to be super cynical, mm-hmm. but we talk to a lot of people, a lot of people approach us about doing this kind of stuff, about starting a studio or whatever. And they'll ask us all kinds of questions. When we check in with them a year later, they, they've done none of, they haven't things. done al- almost any of the things um, that we talked about, yeah. you know? And so I think on the flip side though, you know, talking to somebody one-on-one for like an hour, um, they're not going to remember a lot of the things as well. But it's not even that. There, there's just a, it's a probability game, right? There's just some fraction of people who will actually go out and do that thing. So yeah. if you, if you make a product that you can sell to a huge number of people, then yeah, I mean, definitely some of them are going to, some of them be, will they're going to yeah. not just, and, and also having it there as a reference. Like it's, I think it's, it's different to talk to somebody because there's the memory problem. There's the mm-hmm. one-on-one problem, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you, if you make a book or something that has all your knowledge in it, send it out there. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're probably going to get some people who actually can yeah. uh, mm-hmm. make use of it and come through. Yeah, so I, mean, I think it would be worth doing. Yeah. Sure. We've started to be asked by people um, if we would consider either partnership or publishing um, as in not published publishers aren't asking us this uh, other devs are because you know, we're starting to, we're starting to really get a feel. I think at least I hope for where the industry's at and how to actually do We need to launch thing. one more game to see if it's actually. That's true. right. Yeah. So we're not going to consider ourselves actually knowing what the fuck we're doing until uh, basically Quadrupus 2 comes out and works. Um, yeah, if that's the case, <laughs> we have talked internally about the potential for doing, um, potentially branching off a little publishing wing or something like that. To yeah, but a big question there though is, is one of our major goals as a studio is to, is to create a coherent single universe. Mm-hmm. And if we start acting as a publisher, it would probably be branded completely differently. Right. Then we have to either brand it completely yeah. differently or then, which now adds some kind of interesting complications, I guess, or mm-hmm. I don't know. It just kind of changes the value proposition of that. Uh, but if we want to publish things and keep our brand on it, that would mean that we would actually need to be part of the development process so that we could say, you need to bring this thing into the universe, mm-hmm. which yeah. could also be cool. Cause that would expand our, the, the speed at which the universe itself gets developed. Mm-hmm. Um, but then removes a lot of control that we would otherwise have. Yeah. And, and it, I think, for for developers who would seek out a publisher trying just so that they could you know get an audience get um have just good general success for their game you know they probably have their own ideas of what they want their game to be like and, right and yeah. uh we're not all about that yeah we don't want to we don't tell anybody what to do yeah nope but yeah yeah it's yeah I, I think it's it's also the case too that things change a lot mm-hmm. uh our studio changes a lot our ideas change a lot and mm-hmm. the atmosphere that we operate in you know the industry and everything else changes a lot and so 
Yeah, we're definitely at best we're years away from just like a kit, you know. Yeah, I mean if we if we wrote a book starting now, by the time we finished, we'd be like, oh god, this we'd be like, wrong. Okay, <laughs> we gotta scrap the first three quarters, you know. Uh, so maybe yeah, maybe a couple years from now, we've had a couple more games out. Yeah. We are still existing as a studio. Yeah, I mean we're we learn we're learning at a tremendous rate, and I think a, a sort of funny example of this is. Uh, is actually the marketing that we did for Crashlands as far as how the game was framed and everything else. And just recently, we were talking about it, and we're like, I think we just did that wrong. We actually just did the we whole thing wrong. wrong. Yeah. You know the, the thing? All of it? We did that <laughs> part wrong. Um, and that, that came from the last year of seeing how the success of the game played out, how well it did and didn't do with regards to other games, how people in the press talked about it and players talked about it because of their perception going in, um, which we have some influence over. And then also from reading a shitload of books and talking to people. And so you, you slowly move to these points of greater and greater knowledge. And yeah, I think we're, we're still miles away from the point. Like I, I have not felt that slow down at all. Yeah. Um, once I feel like it starts to actually sort of equilibrate a little bit and it's sort of, we have a steady state of knowledge about how to go about what we're doing. Then yeah, I think building a kit would be a really cool. Yeah, well, and there's I think there's an added layer of complication because people like to think about game development as a thing that mm -hmm. you do, like you develop games, right? Except game development as a discipline is a fusion of basically every discipline. Yep. I mean, you're you're talking not just not just the game itself, you know, the the art, the engineering, the storytelling, the music, the cinematography. Mm -hmm. The programming, the and math, then the business. Then, yeah, then there's the business yeah. side. And then there's the there's the marketing. There's how, like how do you, what about taxes? How do you do? Yeah, that? game development is an industry. It's not a field. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know, I, I really feel for people who want to do it solo because mm -hmm. holy hell, that's hard. Like that's a lot of things to master, um, and it takes years and years and years to do it. It's totally doable but it's very hard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, making a book that's just like, oh, here's the game development, you know, guide. It's like, it's a, it's it a would, guide. It would start to with create a team and then build that into a business. And then here are the kinds of roles you're going to need. And then here's the kind of people right. you need to fill those roles. And here's it's what kind of like an do. architectural blueprint. Sort of right. thing, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. we, we could totally do that, but yeah, there's, but there are a whole bunch of other sort of more subtle aspects to all those different roles and, and parts of the team um, that would need their own entire segments yeah. of the book or even their own books, you know, because uh, there's just a lot. There's a lot to there's it. a lot of crap going on. Yeah. All right, we got uh, two quick fire questions. Let's First one's from Ragnaros. Do you vape? No. Mm, not yet? Or just no? One of those two. <laughs> I, I, I would be down with Vaping. It, it looks fun. That's <laughs> the thing. The vapeness. Being in a cool, like, cinnamon cloud is pretty fucking <laughs> cinnamon cool. cloud. Um, I think Andy does, right? Yep. Andy does, mm -hmm. yeah. So we have we have one one of us. We got a we got a buddy as well here in St. Louis who has a who has a pipe, a vape pipe. Oh yeah. It looks like a battery on a stick. <laughs> like it looks like a it looks like the exact it looks like the exact kind of thing that you would imagine a sci-fi uh, director would put in a movie that takes <laughs> right. place like in eighty years. Like everybody's smoking pipes still, but they're like battery electronic. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Sophisticated um, but futuristic. Last question comes from Killer Prakal Prakal, who says, "Do you watch anime? Uh, not as a rule. You mean wait, not as a rule? Is in like you don't? No, I mean like." It? There, like, there are some people who are just like, yes, I watch anime. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, I... I have watched I anime. I have watched anime. And enjoyed them. And I will yes. watch anime. I don't 
watch like, anime. watch anime. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like, an anime enthusiast. Yeah. 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 I, I've, the, the anime I have watched has largely been pretty good. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist. I watched, Holy I watched shit. Attack on Titan. There is, there is a thing. That one's weird. It's weird. But there's a thing that happens in a lot of anime that I think is, it's an interesting trait of the sort of art style, but there'll be a moment where, for example, like somebody's about to punch someone, right? And like <laughs> their fist will start going. And then all of a sudden, like you'll, it'll show like the fist and then there'll be all these like flashy lines going past it. And then it'll clip to the face of the person who's either doing the punching or about to be punched or something. And then all of a sudden they'll be like back in my childhood. And then there'll be this like entire episode long flashback <laughs> between telling, the fist landing. Yeah, telling some kind of a super long story. Isn't that mostly just Dragon Ball Z? No, I mean, this happens in uh, attack on Titan. Or does it? Yeah. You know, yeah. like somebody will be about to deliver some death blow to a Titan or something. And then it'll tell their whole life story <laughs> from the time, from the time the sword goes back. But I think that's what people like about, about it is. Well, yeah. That's where the story is. Yeah. Right? Storytelling is usually really good. Yeah. Samurai shampoo. Champloo, whatever, however you say it. Shampoo? Champloo. It always sounds like shampoo, but I watched that one a long time ago and then rewatched it not too long, not too long ago. Super good. I think it's yeah. on Netflix, actually. Yeah, I just started watching, it's not anime, but a cartoon, but I started watching uh, Gravity Falls. Oh, is it good? It's good. Is it as good as Rick and Morty? It's, well, it's, it's very It's very different. It's not, okay. it's not so adult-oriented. It enjoyable? It's incredibly enjoyable. Okay. So, yeah, I would recommend. I'm only like two episodes deep, but they're this hilarious skit where they're trying to go get a picture of like a Loch Ness monster sort of creature. And the guy's like, I know it's going to happen because every time people are like, oh, I brought my camera, but it's out of film or, oh no, the flash is dead, the battery's dead. So he brings 17 disposable cameras <laughs> and he puts them like all over the place and he gives four of them each to his two buddies. And then over the course of like a minute, there's just this running gag where he's trying to communicate, like, you know, put these all over the place. And then they like, they're like, what? You just say throw it overboard? And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, oh, sorry. I already threw, threw two of them in the water. <laughs> And then he's like, damn it. And he slams his hand down and there's a camera under it. And he brings the camera. <laughs> it's like, gets all the way down to them, like having no fucking cameras. <laughs> so like, they do that. They do it really well. Um, like a lot of those running gags and stuff. So it's, huh. it's pretty funny. So I will say though, there's uh, there's something I want to say before we end the podcast that? about this, about this question, the question of, do you watch anime? Because there are people in the world mm -hmm. who refuse to partake in certain genres of things or certain food uh, movies. Yeah. Books. I don't like X type of food. I won't watch X type of movie. I won't read this yeah. type of book, man. You're missing out. Oh yeah. You're just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, you can find all kinds of enjoyable. You don't shit. get to just take a category and be like, nah, 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 man, nah, but fuck it, <laughs> <laughs> fuck that category. It's true. I think. I think the truth is, for every every single time that I've had a, I mean, games is an easy example. Books too. Like I used to just hate reading any sort of historical accounts of anything, and then I read the the Lincoln book, which is like a six hundred page mammoth. Yeah, and it was so damn good that I was like, I need to do more of this. Like, this yeah. is a thing for me now. When it I'm turns out what you don't like reading is badly written books. Yes. <laughs> I don't like playing, I also don't like playing shitty games. Every game genre that I've played where I'm like, I just hate this particular genre. Even free-to-play stuff. We're talking about this yeah, with Clash it's, Royale. It's, you may have not liked that game. Yeah. But yeah, this, but the whole idea of, for you. Yeah, but the whole idea of just deciding that that game represents the whole fucking genre, you yeah, know? I mean, stay fresh. Stay like a baby. Be Quit wonders. being a bigot. Stay frosty. <laughs> Stay frosty. Yeah. Okay, I'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye.